Welcome to Inspired Insights, where we share our conversations with industry experts as we give insight into workforce trends and changes impacting HR and financial professionals. We will cover everything from employee engagement to compliance and regulations impacting your workforce success. Welcome to the Inspired Insights Podcast brought to you by TruePay. I'm Brian Gorman. I'm a sales and marketing professional with over 20 years working and leading sales teams in the human capital management space. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff McEwen. Hey, Brian. Thanks. Yeah, I'm Jeff. And I actually started my career back in the Navy in the 90s uh, doing payroll and finance there and then made the move to human resources really about 22 years ago and have done it a range of spaces from hospitality, manufacturing, healthcare, everything from a solo generalist to an HR manager. Uh, But the last several years, I've really focused in the HCM software space. I'll be very excited to talk to our guest today about uh, her experiences and maybe talk a little bit about how HCM can help in those areas. Absolutely. So I'm super excited to have Pavithri Kilgore on today. Uh, she is the owner of KPSK Consulting, a full cycle HR consulting firm that covers all the United States and any U.S. territories. She just received a master's of jurisprudence in labor and employment law from Tulane Law School and brings over 15 years of experience. So again, Pavithri, thank you so much for, for being part of the show today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And on a side note, Jeff, um, my husband's a Navy veteran, so Veterans Day is coming up. Thank you for your service. My pleasure. Yeah. So today, I think we wanted to really talk about, you know, today's business leaders and HR leaders, maybe what they're overlooking when it comes to compliance in HR. So to get started, V3, you know, what are some current areas specifically related to HR compliance, you know, where you see businesses struggling the most? Yeah. So I will just add on that um, I am a employment and labor law junkie. Um, my husband jokingly says that I am a Supreme Court junkie. I'm like, hey, if you're going to call me a junkie on something, I'll take that, right? Sure. This is an area, it is ever-changing. Every five minutes, there's something new. So it really grabs my attention and it keeps me entertained and engaged, Mm. Um, which I think, you know, when you're doing a business, you just, you want to be in it because you love it, not because you have to. Mm. And I think I got lucky in that space. So having said all of that, you know, 2021 honestly feels like a brand new start for HR. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this pandemic through every industry, every business, small, medium, large, into a tailspin that nobody ever expected to have. And I think there was a lot more focus on HR and businesses started leaning on HR a lot more and really large companies started to add to their departments, make it a more robust HR department, have more resources, more money spent in there which is all great, but where I still see the struggle is with small businesses, Mm. right? If you've got a company with like five to 50 employees, you don't really have that capital to invest in all of that outside expertise. Especially, I mean, we saw this with the FFCRA. There were so many companies going, what do I do with this information? Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking about things changing by the minute, OSHA 
and the White House just today came up with all the emergency temporary standards for vaccine mandates. Yes. So I would say right off the top, that's a huge piece that any employer over 100 employees need to start working towards today if they haven't already started it. Because what's today, November 4th? Mm -hmm. I think they gave two months, right? January. Yep, 60-day clock is now running. So you got to figure out how are you going to get everybody vaccinated? You're going to figure out how are you going to track this? And then you got to figure out what are we going to do with those that don't want to get vaccinated? How does the testing work? Who pays for the testing? Employers are required to provide masks for employees that are not vaccinated, right? So you can't tell the employee to bring their own mask. You have to provide that mask. Mm -hmm. So there's like so much packed in those like three pages that came out of OSHA today. You need to get on it today or you're already behind the eight ball if you haven't started. So other things I think businesses struggle compliance wise, honestly, the pandemic aside, we've got an entire alphabet soup of government agencies. And another area I think a lot of businesses struggle is knowing those thresholds on when a government agency has jurisdiction over your business. So if you have 15 employees, you're a covered employer by the EEOC. At 50 employees, you gotta provide FMLA. At 20 employees, you gotta start filing your OSHA 300 logs. Um, 100 employees, you gotta start filing your EEO one reports. And at the full-time equivalent of 50 employees, you gotta start complying with ACA. Mm -hmm. Problem is, There's no one out there that is telling small businesses when they get started where all these thresholds are and where the landmines are. Mm -hmm. So I... Well, as complex as it is, I mean, you rattled off some great examples. I liked that you included there toward the end that you said the full-time equivalent of it, right? So it's not even like you can just head count. Exactly. Then then you add in some of those regulations are so many employees at a single site. So yep. many of those employees under uh, commonly owned EINs. I mean, it just really does get. So, you know, if you think to yourself, well, I've got five companies and I've kept them all under 15 employees. I'm OK. Not so, much. <laughs> Not so much. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like at, one, at some point it becomes a financial burden on a company not because of the compliance piece, but the fines that come as a result of not being compliant. Mm-hmm. You know, I read a stat a while back that said of all new businesses that close in the first five years, 80% of it is as a result of either litigation or government agency fines that they wow. declare bankruptcy or close. When you put your blood, sweat, and tears into a business and invest your time and money into it, I think that is one of the stupidest ways to have to close your business. You rattled several of those off. Do you have a a place you recommend that you could maybe share with our listeners that they can go to find what those thresholds are? You know, SHRM is a great place, um, SHRM. They have some great resources. a law firm that I am absolutely in love with is Little Mendelssohn, and they have webinars and WebExes that are free you can sign up for. 
go on their website and sign up for alerts and they send you links for those. You know, outside of that, if you don't have a legal firm or outside counsel or in-house counsel, people like me who are out there doing consulting, all us, you know, we can help mm-hmm. our websites have that information. It's a lot out there. You just got to know where to go look. So I would say yeah, Shum is a great place to start. I'm sure. glad you mentioned that one. I was going to, if you hadn't. So yeah, I, <laughs> they were a great resource for me when I was earlier in my career and having to learn those things and get up to speed. And I assume they still have this. It's, I just haven't looked at it in years, but they used to have a really nice PDF you could download that basically just started at the low end. Yeah. And as you worked your way up the higher, higher number of employees and it would say, okay, this kicks in, this kicks in. These are it's really nice. Yeah, absolutely. They still do. That has not changed. Thank God. And I, I don't want this to, to digress into a, an ad for our TruePay product, Inspire, but uh, just do want to mention that uh, HCM systems like ours, so we're not the only one that does this, but like ours, uh, often will have a resource within them. And the Inspire product, we do, uh, we have a partnership with an HR forum. And uh, so our, our clients, if they don't have this in some other form or fashion, can go into our system and get an uh, access to what's called HR Forum, and they can download some of that same information and get that same resource there. Mm-hmm. That's great. So P3, you know, you're talking more about compliance issues. What do you find being the most difficult, and you mentioned some earlier when, when you gave that list, but maybe some of the most difficult compliance issues is, I mean, does it vary based on... Um, you know, is one more difficult to stay compliant with than the other, in your opinion, or maybe you know, a small business owner or just a, an HR department? What are some of the difficult issues to, to keep compliant with? You know, I think, honestly, I don't know that this is difficult from a compliance standpoint, mm-hmm. but I would say difficult from a managing expectation standpoint mm. for businesses that can get them in trouble. Right. I mentioned like Tana garment agencies that have all these thresholds that tells you what you need to do at certain levels of employment. Well, I think one of the things that small businesses don't realize is if you don't or one of your employees complain, they can file what's called a charge against your business. And, you know, I'll use the EEOC as an example because of all the agencies, I think they had the most... Now, keep in mind, I'm talking all around federal agencies. There's equivalent of these agencies in each state that has their own rules and regulations also. But the EEOC tends to be the one that sends out the most number of charges. And if you've never looked at an EEOC charge and a, as a small business owner, you know, you run your business almost like a family and your employee complains and you're reading this. It is so hard for it not to be gut-wrenching and not to take it personally. Mm. And you want to respond emotionally and defend your position and just go into a diatribe that's going to open up a can of worms that you don't want the government agencies to have. Um, And I think, honestly, I think that's probably one of the most difficult things I see small businesses deal with is that piece where... They are trying to handle it and respond it and defend themselves because they're coming from a very personal standpoint where if they take a step back, most of the time, if you're a small business and you have less than 15 employees, you don't need to do any of those. You can just say, hey, I'm not a covered employer. Dismiss on technicality. So you forget to look at what am I required to do? 
and you go straight into, oh, bleep, 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 bleep. I don't think so. And this is what I'm going to tell the government agency. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, I think that's, I think that's one of the most difficult things a company has to learn how to handle right. Outside of that, I think the second thing that's out there that makes it difficult for companies is the digital age. Mm. Social media, intellectual property, copyright. It is shocking to me how many companies don't have social media policies. They don't have intellectual property policies. If you're developing something, how are you protecting your development? It's social media, right? You need to honestly have two policies because every company is on social media. So you need to have a policy that is compliant with the NLRB about your personal postings, what you put out there that may have implications for your business. On the flip side of it, the businesses have to have a policy saying, if you're posting on behalf of the company, these are the guidelines you should use. What about pictures? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have the right to post those pictures? And if you're not sure about it, do you have a takedown policy? If somebody comes and says, hey, that's my picture. You don't have a right to use this. Right. Do you have a process in place? Do your employees know what that is? And then comes the nightmare of recruiting and social media. Mm. That can be such a landmine, Right. You have to be so careful when you're looking for candidates on social media. Invariably, you get access to information that pertains to somebody's protected characteristics, their race, their gender, their social identity, their gender identification. So you have to train your recruiters on making sure that they know how to weed out the quote-unquote outside noise and focus on the job description and the essential functions and making sure that your recruiters know how to identify if your unconscious bias comes into the hiring process. I think those are the things that businesses coming into the 21st century, this day and age, with a ready-made camera at hand at every corner have to start thinking about. I mean, do you feel like, Pavitri, that a lot of people or a lot of businesses, and you may have already answered this, are they behind the times, right? I mean, just a lot of them are just haven't kept up with that social media. Because I'm thinking from a, even from a marketing standpoint, less less of an HR here, but I've thought about this, you know, a personal branding of yourself, right? Even mm-hmm. if you have policies about personal branding, because yeah. that's, to me, I think personal branding is, is incredible. And I think it's not enough people talk about that, even in our sales and marketing world, but it's it's t- kind of taken over a little bit. Even around that, can I post something that is related to my personal brand, but not the company? And you, yeah, to your point, those are, those are just things that are, are kind of scary if you don't have policies in place around those, right? Absolutely. And to your point, yeah, I mean, I think there is a Definitely a major part of this is the timing, right? Mm -hmm. Some of these businesses started 30, 40, 50 years ago when the internet didn't exist. Mm. And the world has evolved into a digital age, whereas the company has not. But now you're hiring from that digital age workforce 
and you're not adjusting your company brand and your company stance to the current day environment, right? I know this is like jumping the gun a bit, but there's this book called Social Media Laws for Business. If you're in HR, that has got to become part of your Bible. And what's funny is this is the last book that was has been out published currently. And even this is somewhat outdated in certain areas. Mm. There is another book that I have an advanced copy of, but it hasn't gone into publishing yet. But at some point, I'll put access to that on my website to for people to be able to get the book that's being written by one of the professors at Tulane, really and more updated 2022 version of what is new, what needs to be in place, how do you protect your brand and how do you protect your business? That's incredible stuff. So what are your thoughts around the personal branding part? I mean, so if you write an article, right, about something mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe you write an article about, you know, what a client should, a couple a company should do about the vaccine policies that came out today or the, you know, what, and just to just your own words and your own, but you just put it out there and you you work for a company. What is that something that, that they couldn't find you over or, I mean, fire you over or what, you know, what are your thoughts on, or is that just, you know, you're being creative and you're, you're putting it out there trying to be an expert in you know your field. You're just trying to, to bring some value. Right. Right. I mean, the, Honestly, here's gonna here's the most frustrating answer anybody's going to get from HR is it depends, mm-hmm. right? The it depends. <laughs> right? Yep. It depends. Do you have a policy? And if so, is it a First Amendment right or is it a policy violation? And more importantly, how many employers are aware of the fact that you actually don't have a First Amendment right if you work for a private employer. And you brought up First Amendment right. I thought, oh, I got to ask her about that because that's right. That's what I was thinking, too, is yeah. that, that affects what the government can do. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Your constitutional rights are that the government cannot infringe upon your constitutional rights. However, as a private employer, you can have whatever role you want to, depending on which government agency you're trying to stay out of, right? The NLRB is all over social media stuff. So you gotta be really careful that your policy doesn't cross the NLRB regulations. And yes, even if you're not a unionized employer, you still have to follow the NLRB rules. I mean, my best advice to employees that have a active social media life is that A, Keep your work and personal life separated. You don't have to tell on Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media platform you're on, what your job title is, where you work, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Be who you are in your space and keep it away from your company. If you're speaking on behalf of the company, identify yourself as an employee of the company and stick to the company's policies and guidelines. Me as an individual, I have a very old school mentality to this. As an employee, my rule was, if I work with you, you don't go on my social media until I am no longer with the company. 
I will not add you on my social media if you leave the company because I'm still there and you have people, other people that are still there. That's a conflict that I'm not willing to cross the line on. But you have to get disciplined on both sides, employers and employees. Uh, really, what a what a double-edged sword, though, right? Because you got to be on social media. I mean, you know, unless you've got some really unique product that just doesn't need any kind of social presence or or market presence. Otherwise, you've got to be out there, and so yeah. you got to be out there, but you got to do it in a way that's that's going to protect the the protect. You know, as the NFL says, protect the shield. Exactly. Yeah. Organization. Yeah. You almost have to go a little overboard in order to be a little bit more liberal in your policies. Give the employees those rights, but make it clear where the line gets drawn. If you were to guess, maybe how many, use 10 as an example, how many out of 10 small businesses have a social media policy? Like two? One if I'm lucky. Wow. <laughs> and I almost, I'm feeling like angst here a little bit. You know? <laughs> like, almost fear, yeah, fearful a little bit. Like for some of these business owners, because you're, it's like Jeff mentioned, it's, it is a double edged sword because you 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 have to be on social media in some ways. I mean, I remember you know my daughter's softball team; they communicated that way. You know, you have to kind of be on there, and it's it's hard not to. But yeah, you're right. I think that. But no one thinks about add people to our social media all the time and they could be coworkers and mm-hmm. you need to be very disciplined. Yep. And, you know, I don't think we have a problem with this at TruePay, I think, from anything I've seen anyway. But we really encourage our staff and I'm sure other employers do, too, to reshare what stuff we put out. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we post something, we say, hey, you know, go share this with your and so immediately once it's shared, then when people see that content, they see your other content, too. So, yep. you know, when my friends see that I'm sharing, you know, one of these podcasts or I'm sharing a, something that um, our marketing people put out or whatever, uh, it's not just that. Then they see the next thing down below is whatever I posted, you know, whatever I had for dinner last night or <laughs> wherever right. you see a show, <laughs> right? And uh, then you, you do get sort of um, association, right? When you call, yeah. call it guilt by association or blessed by association. But yeah, very important that uh, that the messaging is clear and consistent and does it do damage? No, absolutely. I mean, when I started KBSK, you know, I had to make the conscious decision with my marketing team and say, hey, I want to build my social media platform completely separate from my private accounts. Mm-hmm. You know, LinkedIn is the only place where it's connected because it's a business network, right? That you don't have too much personal stuff on it. But it's, I've always been that, crazy person who's carried two phones because I won't do any business on my personal cell phone. I have two amazing stepdaughters and their privacy is important to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not willing to put their lives out to others to see because I am now mixing the two together. Like it's not just you on your social media. You have to think about the people that's on there and are they okay with what you're doing and saying out there? It's, it's so easy to become that keyboard warrior, you forget the human impact. Mm-hmm. And when you forget that human impact and you mix business into it, it can be a very scary, dicey place to be. God, I feel like I'm bringing some doom and gloom to this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, it's important. I think I think you're right. Social media laws for business. I think that uh, that's something I I will definitely invest in because I think it's you know people just don't know them well enough and. You know, you can, I, I'm sure with your business too, Pavi3, being a consultant and then you knowing those laws can bring so much value to people because it's just, people don't know. I and mean, then they struggle with, with that, I think, in, in a lot of ways. As we continue, you know, along here, what, what should an HR director or business owner, you know, what's one thing that they could really do today, right now, that can maybe change the course of, of what they're, if they're not compliant, this could be any area, what could they do? Like what's something they can be proactive with today? It's like, Hey, I got to start right now. What can I do? Get a gut check. Mm. Right. It's whether it's your internal legal team, external counsel, a consultant, or even just going on the show website, get a gut check on where is it that I have gaping holes in my policies, procedures, and practices. Because you're never going to fix the problem if you don't do a full forensic deep dive into what do I have, what do I need, and you don't you find that gap in between the two. You know, someone that stay talk to someone that stays on top of this crazy landscape of employment and labor law, and just make sure it's somebody who also is an expert in your state. It's not enough to be a expert on labor and employment law federally. You have to know what the federal, state, and local laws are and cater your practices to fit all three of those groups. I, I don't think as HR we do enough of the proactive deep dives. 99% of the time it's a fi- fire drill, right? You are one meeting to the next meeting to, oh crap, got to get X, Y, and Z done. I need 50 people to start tomorrow. Mm. There's an accident in the warehouse. Like we're always in that firefighting mode that I think a reminder to just take a step back, take stock and reassess priorities on protecting the business is huge. Mm. And having sat in that seat where you're a smaller business and you you wear a lot of hats and you uh, you know you're you're lucky if you have an HR person and they're probably a, a lone wolf solo uh, yep. practitioner and they're like you say buried from from one fire to another. I mean that really is the value in having HR consulting and having people like you that mm-hmm. can come in and do it because you don't need to add somebody to your staff. You don't have to do this constantly, right? Right. You do it right and you do it once, uh, maybe, and then do a checkup. I don't know. Every you know, eighteen months, two years, something like that, maybe is probably enough. Or no, more often. <laughs> I would say once a year gut check is a good practice, right? Because I mean. State of Indiana is famous for this. We put out rule changes in like June, July, August timeframe. Smack dab in the middle of school vacations. Most parents take time off and you're like, wait, what? What just happened? (laughs) Right. And we miss it. And so it's good to have somebody, even if it is a case of like, hey, let me know when something changes. So you can put out that one-off policy and then make sure it's incorporated into your handbook the next year. So I would say at the very least, once a year, 
or better yet, have somebody that will proactively tell you mm. when a new policy comes up or a new rule comes out in your state. Mm. Especially if you're a multi-state employer, you're mm. wearing most of the time every hat in your business. You're really going to have time to go figure out what each of the states you're operating in is changing from month to month to month. <laughs> so it's always good to have that. And, you know, to your point about um, HCMs, maybe some of those HCMs may get those out automatically as well. I don't know if you guys do. Just Yeah, the HR forum has a subscription service. Mm-hmm. where you can ask to be notified when those kinds of things happen. And, and so like I got one this morning about the new uh, OSHA reg and, and those kinds of things. Yep. yep. And I think, I think uh, Sherm as well, I think they have a site that yep. uh, uh, some kind of a subscription you can get on and get their alerts and their announcements. And I think you can even say whether you want it daily or weekly or something like that. How often? Yes, absolutely. I think you may have mentioned this too, but what are some best practices? You know, maybe that, HR directors or owners can you know begin implementing and, and that might be the same type of a question we just we just asked but you know I think I think it's important to to talk about those though and and you know ways that uh, they can make their departments better um, maybe it's just you know like bringing a consultant like yourself in to do that yeah I mean yes right always having somebody that is a outside perspective is always going to make things better because mm. sometimes when you're in the thick of it you don't necessarily see the trees for the forest mm-hmm. um, but you know just going back to the basics sometimes Brian and Jeff is that simple things get missed stay on top of your data retention mm. um, this past year we saw a massive amount of court cases and litigation around Lyft drivers, um, Uber, independent contractor status, right? Right. Department of Labor has a three-year statute of limitation. I spoke with a client. They purged their files every year because they didn't know they had to keep all the payroll records for three years. Those fines aren't fun, let me tell you. Mm. Um, You know, so little things like that, like stay on top of your data retention, Making sure you have a third party that does your background and drug testing is huge. I cannot tell you the number of small businesses that think Google search constitutes a background check. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, I mean, they also miss the fact that most of the states now have a bander box. We have a large number of states that have legalized medical marijuana and a handful that has recreational marijuana. Pause for a minute for clients that don't know. You said <laughs> states that have a ban the box. What talk, Just real briefly, just what is ban the oh, box? Oh, absolutely. Ban the box is in the application process. You cannot ask a candidate if they have a criminal record, whether it be fe- uh, felonies or misdemeanors. You can only do a background check post-offer pre-employment, and the background check has to be in relation to the actual job you are doing. That's the only time you can inquire about somebody's criminal past. Mm. And and to be clear, because I know I've had other people, other colleagues ask the same question, 
to your, you said you can do it af, post offer, uh, but you can make the offer contingent upon hundred percent a clean report. Yeah, correct. The uh, if the background check is a part of your hiring process, the offer should always state offer contingent upon successfully passing a background check. Just keep in mind, don't have categorical barring. So what does that mean? Don't have a policy that says we don't hire anybody with a felony. Be specific. What felonies can you not have? It can't be all felonies. Right. I'll give you a, I'll actually give you a really perfect example. Um, warehouse guy had a, a felony for drugs. The job description outlined everything you do in the warehouse, right? Packing, shipping, receiving, stocking, all of those things. Well, there were some thefts in the warehouse and they started doing a little bit more digging and found out that the guy had a felony for drugs, um, specifically prescription drugs in the past. And both the background company, the recruiter, and the client all missed to mention that this is a pharmaceutical warehouse. <laughs> so it's okay to say we will not hire anybody who has a felony for drugs because you are working in a pharmaceutical warehouse. Mm -hmm. However, if you have a felony for, I don't know, aggravated assault, one-off, whatever the case may be, put them through an individualized assessment to determine if they are a threat to society now or are they at a point where they have been rehabilitated and should be allowed to return to the workforce. So have a third party that helps you do that. So again, you take that burden off the unconscious bias, your own personal views coming into play but at the same time, please be very open and honest with that third party company on what your business is, what this individual is going to be doing. So they have all the data to make the right decision to help protect your business. Does that help? Oh, yeah. I just when you mentioned it real quickly, I just thought there might be some of our listeners who aren't familiar with that because it's not Absolutely. every state. Like Absolutely said. correct. Yes. Um, you know, what else? Stay on top of training of your employees. Mm -hmm. I know there's only a handful of states that require certain number of trainings per year, every year, whatever the case is. But just as a best practice, do EEO training for your employees once a year. Because I promise you, at least 20% of your training, you forget within the first week you learn it. A refresher, refresher is not a bad idea. And two you're going to have new employees join. Mm -hmm. So just keep that company culture as a, we train you and we tell you what your responsibilities are and we do it regularly. So it becomes second nature and part of us and not just this like, Oh crap, I got to do this once a year thing where I'm just going to click through the boxes and be done with it just so I can get to the next thing as fast as possible. Mm. Have a way for employees to bring up their concerns in a safe manner. Anonymity helps. Ethics hotline. A, I mean, heck, when I first started in ER about 15 years ago, all I had was an 800 number and an answering machine. 
actually that was 2002, so more than 15 years ago. But my point being, have a place where they can reach out to you with and take away that anxiety of reaching out to you. You'll learn a lot and you'll fix a lot and nip things in the bud before they become this massive blown up investigation. Mm. The last thing I will tell HR people right now is don't tune out the loudest voice in the company. It is so easy for us to say, oh, that's just who he, she, it are. They just like to complain. They just whine. They have nothing nice to say. Somewhere in that noise is actual issues that's happening in your company and you're missing the point. And that's usually when they go to a third party to get help to resolve those concerns. Be an active listener. Have your ear to the ground and be an active listener and don't tune people out. Yeah, that's good advice. Say, having been on, on the other end of that once, it, it, I, to your point about listen to that voice, you know, there's there's often a nugget of truth, I think, which is what you were saying, right? Absolutely. You know, that's irritating and that led to that. Um, but if there's not, and sometimes there are just those people, then culturally, you got to figure out what are we going to do with this person? Do we need to separate them? Do we need to reassign them? Do we need to train them? Whatever. And uh, and we didn't. We didn't do that fast enough in one of my past experiences. And we got one of those EEOC letters. <laughs> and it was really, it, you, you mentioned it being personal. It really was because they name, you know, in this case in particular, it was, uh, they were alleging age discrimination. And, you know, it was things like, uh, well, Jeff called me an old man once. You know, he said, hey, how's it going, old man? I don't know that I ever said that. I don't use that to the best of my knowledge, but you know, it's a pretty common phrase. I could see how maybe at some point if we were bantering around, whatever. But so you do have to really, you know, pay attention to those voices, like you said, because if there's legitimate issues, you want to address those. Uh-huh. If there aren't, you want to address that. You want to get that out of there quick. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the key to that, Jeff, is don't ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's a couple of reasons that's happening. You got to be able to get to the bottom of it and resolve it in the right way. Because otherwise it's going to become a culture of a cancer or it's going to become a charge or it's going to just demoralize the people around them. Yeah. So just a good outcome there, right? Three, three it, possible. Yeah. Exactly. It's don't, don't turn those anybody out. Just there is so much value in just giving somebody an opportunity to feel like they have been heard. Mm-hmm. And there's such a level of loyalty and compassion that comes out of it. I'm not going to say hundred percent of the time, it's a good outcome, right? You're always going to have somebody that says bleep you I'm out and that's okay. But for those that are honestly feeling like they have something to say and nobody's listening to me, once you give them that opportunity, they become even a better employee and just makes everybody around them better as well. Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity to really be able to keep those good employees going. I was just thinking, um, Pavithri, about when maybe back to the compliance piece a little bit. When it comes to a handbook, mm-hmm. and you mentioned you know having a gut check every year, mm-hmm. would you recommend a as part of that gut check, a handbook review as well? Absolutely. Okay. 100% every single year. Review your handbook, double check your state regulations, double check new policies that's come out, 
federal information and make sure it's compliant both federal, state, and most importantly, be prepared to have a local addendum if there's a county that has a specific rule that doesn't apply to the rest of the state. So like be able to have a little note in there that says does not apply to XYZ county individuals in this county have to follow this regulation. When you fill out a background check, there's like three pages worth of if you're from Hawaii, you got to do X, Y, and Z. If you're from California, X, Y, and Z, right? Like you got New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, like all of these states have different regulations involved in it. And you put all of those into one page for your background. Think of it almost like that for your state. It is easy to forget about the little counties, municipality rules, mm-hmm. and it'll cost you a lot of money on the other end. Mm. So have those disclaimers. What are your thoughts on, and maybe fast forwarding a little bit here into you know 2022 a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on what's coming down the pike a little bit? I know we had the uh, news today from OSHA, but maybe if you kind of look into the um, the future a little bit, what what are some of the areas of compliance that maybe have you concerned a little bit or? You know, keeping you up at night, like I, I can really see this being a, a real big HR issue here in 2022. Have you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, honestly, I think I, I worry about the labor market going into 2022. I, we're at 700,000 plus less people in this country than we were March of 2020. Mm. Um, and Sadly, not all of them were outside of the working age. So there is a this natural reduction of our workforce due to COVID. And in the last 18 months, there's also been this huge, I don't know if it's a revolution or an evolution of social justice issues. And now you put in these vaccine mandates, which I think will help a lot, but there is still a huge fear of the labor market. Can I go out to work and am I gonna bring COVID home? I think some of that will start to slowly go away, but at the same time, we also need to remember there is not just COVID. There is the, what is, does the company stand for? Are you an employer that is sought by employees or are you an employer that employees are running away from? Because there are jobs out there. There's employees out there. But both sides have gotten very selective on who now joins your team. So I think there needs to, I think what keeps me up at night is, are we having the right type of conversations and interview processes to help get there? And are we relying too much on AI because we're trying to remove all appearances of a bias in the hiring process? Um, This sounds a little funny, but this is from my personal experience. My resume is still out there in Indeed and 
career builder and all of those places. Mm -hmm. And most of my job title says employee relations manager. And a lot of it later on refers to as a ER manager. I still get jobs for emergency room nurse jobs. (laughs) Sure. I was just thinking that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, that's a huge red flag to me that says you got a bunch of AIs reading my (laughs) resume and sending out bot emails. And we've completely removed the human aspect of the hiring process. Mm -hmm. You know, number of stories I hear, but I've applied for 50 jobs and I've heard back from one. You've got to reassess and look at how are we recruiting? How are we hiring? How are we posting? I think what keeps me up at night, Brian, is where does this economy and the employees are come July, June, July, August of next year? And what is that going to do to our small businesses that rely on that workforce? I'm really hoping that this pandemic and everything we've been through in the last 18 months leads to a more robust small business environment where they are successful and is able to achieve their goals and not a mass exodus like we saw in the financial crisis of 08. That I think is what kind of keeps me up at night going, where do my clients go? How do we get over this? How do we give back enough to be able to reap these rewards? Everything made on the planet is now sitting outside of Los Angeles. Stock yeah. <laughs> shit can't be offloaded. So. <laughs> so there won't be anything to sell pretty soon anyway. Right, right. I mean, I would say that's probably a good place to bring the robots out. (laughs) Not in the hiring process. Right, right. There you go. So we had a um, a, a podcast episode earlier today and we interviewed a recruiting professional. And I thought Jeff asked an incredible question in regards to the labor force. Mm -hmm. Where did everyone go? I think it was, Jeff, that that was your question, right? Like, (laughs) where where is everyone, right? Uh, it's just, I thought that was a very insightful, insightful question. I'm just curious, maybe. We went into the pandemic at yeah. about three to 4% unemployment. And then to your point, we lost some people, unfortunately, due to the disease, but we also lost a lot of jobs, businesses closed and everything else. So we come out of the backside of this thing. And then it's like, how is it every single company, regardless of industry, seems to be short staffed? My first reaction is, where did everybody go? Is six feet underground. <laughs> I mean, that's that's my doom and gloom answer, right? But in all seriousness, that actually accounts for enough of the absence. I mean, yeah, we lost. You said seven hundred. I didn't know what the number was. But As of this morning, it's seven hundred eighteen thousand in the U.S. Mm. What's the? I, I, I don't looked at the unemployment numbers lately either, but it seems like there's a lot of jobs out there more than can be accounted for with just that. Correct. And here's why. Right. I keep saying this over and over again. It's not just about COVID anymore. It's about health, safety and quality of life. Right. The high school kids that were willing to go work in fast food for seven dollars an hour does not exist anymore. Like I said, I don't know if whether to call it a revolution or an evolution, but. 
people are more concerned about who the company is, what the company stands for, what are my benefits, what am I being offered? And is it worth my time? I spoke with a company. It's a very large global company. They don't do performance bonuses. I asked them why. And they said, because our owner's attitude is, if you pay your employees where they are not budgeting for a performance bonus to make their bills work, their performance will be better. So pay them right up front. Don't make them do a circus act to get a little extra money to make their bills work. I think that's the kind of attitudes we need coming out more. I think you'll see the shortages actually kind of even out. Employers need to show value in what they have to offer an employee. It's no longer just about is the employee qualified, is the employer qualified? I think that's the shift in mindset that has happened in the last 18, 20 months that is really driving the shortage as well. We'll see what happens here in the uh, the short term anyway with uh, the fact that all these you know, $7, $8 an hour jobs are now paying 12, 13, 14. Right. Uh-huh. And, you know, will that draw people in? Because to your point, it sounds like some yes, but many no. It's yeah. not about the money. So for many people, it may still be we're not going to come work for you regardless of, of doubling the wage. On the other hand, uh, I'm a very big believer in the way the market works. And I'm glad that we have a relatively free market here. Yep. But um, supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we heard forever and ever and ever, well, McDonald's can't pay $12 an hour. They, their business model is built on it. Well, guess what? They're paying $12 an hour now. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Down the street from me, they're paying seventeen fifty. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So will Big Macs cost twice as much a year from now? Or will McDonald's find a way to absorb that? So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're in a big, massive social experiment when it comes to the labor market right now. Mm. I would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I kind of want to flip over now, if it's okay to the, to the fun, not that these questions were fun. These three <laughs> things, but now <laughs> oh, getting to the more fun. Oh, she felt like she was kind of a downer earlier. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I've been a complete doom and gloom yeah. conversation here for a minute. V <laughs> 3 how did you get into to human resources in the first place? <laughs> Well, Brian, (laughs) if I'm being honest with you, I kind of fell into it. Hmm. Have we had a guest yet that didn't answer your question? Everybody's done, yeah. Every (laughs) guest has said the same thing. (laughs) Um, Since I was nine years old, um, let me backtrack for a minute. Around seven, eight, nine years old, I told my mother that I wanted to be an astronaut. And my mom, being the most realistic woman in the planet, basically reminded me that at the time, NASA only hired U.S.-born citizens. Now I wasn't even in the U.S. at the time. So at about nine years old, I decided, you know what? I want to be a prosecutor. And that's where I was headed. That's where I was when I went to University of Maryland. I was headed into being a prosecutor. And about my junior year, I realized, yeah, probably not what I want to do in the U.S. And I had a few classes in employment law, and it really my interest. So to be fair, I don't know that I went into HR as much as I went into ER. Um, 
I started studying employment law. I started looking at how does this apply to that? How does it work at work? And that's honestly what drew me to the topic and the field. And I pretty much made my career path since then. And I love doing it because it's different every single day. No longer interested in, you know, prosecuting people. (laughs) (laughs) Of that evolution, though. Right. (laughs) Off this planet, I'm going to lock people up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm glad you ended up where you did. (laughs) I am, too. I have fun doing it every day. What, um, Pavitri, are some maybe some misconceptions uh, that people have about about HR? All we know to do is say no. Or don't call it HR because they'll stop me from doing this and then I can't go get that client. I don't know why. Like People think HR is this Debbie Downer compliance police. Yes, there's a lot of compliance in HR. But in reality, our job is to help you grow and make money. So our job is to look at the compliance and say, hey, here's the best way to do this. So whatever you bring in-house, we help you keep in-house and not have to pay out in lawsuits. Yeah, I think I think the biggest misconception is that we get in the way of business. That's a common answer, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that some of our other guests have brought up, and I'm sure you would probably agree with this, is that that means in HR, it's really critical you know your business. Absolutely. If, if all you can do is say to every idea that the production team and the, the sales team and the ops team come over, no, we can't do that. And you can't offer a, an alternative. You can't say, but here's what we can do. Uh-huh. Because you don't understand the goals and the objectives of your of your organization, or you don't understand your product line, or you don't understand those pieces, then yeah, you're, you're all you can say is no. Absolutely. I always say when I got into this, into HR, HR didn't really exist in companies. Um, You know, party planners, benefits person, payroll was pretty much your HR team. And I had to be an ops manager to do HR. And at the time, you know, 20 something know it all. I thought it was the worst thing I had to do. But in reality, looking back, it really made me realize how much of a business knowledge you need to have to be a proper trusted advisor and not just be that HR person that looks at the black and white law and say yes or no. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, everything at 20. (laughs) Now I feel like I know nothing half the time. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought about this question uh, because you really addressed it with the HR related book earlier Maybe a business book or a book that's had an impact on you. It doesn't have to be an HR related book, but maybe talk about something that has had an impact on, on, on you as a person or a professional. Just what are your thoughts on that? So, you know how I said something about uh, being a geek in HR world? Mm-hmm. I'm also a geek around silly and stupid laws. And there is a book called um, Mindless Misdemeanors and Ludicrous Regulations. And it goes through countries, states, cities, and brings out the most insane, silly laws that exist. Like there's a town 
somewhere in the United States where you cannot have a drink sitting down on a Sunday, but the rest of the week you can't have a drink standing up. And it really like, and I bring this book up because A, it's fun to read and it's always has something in there that's going to get me laughing, especially if I'm stressed out. But at the same time, it applies to like my everyday work, right? It makes you kind of sit back and go, what person did what insane thing that a city decided this has to be a law in the books? It applies to every single day life. We see silly rules in restaurants, in grocery stores, or in shopping malls. And the same thing happens at work. And it's really those things where you're going to just take a step back and be like, okay, so who ruined this for everybody? <laughs> mm. That's a great point. I heard a comedian once talk about that. He was making the point that you know, every law is reactive. It's oh, 100%. Reactive, it's reactive. And so, yeah, when you see something that you think, what in the world? The next question should be, who did what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I said, it's a, it's a little bit of self-reflection and a whole lot of laugh as hard as you can. <laughs> yeah. This is a unique question that we always ask all of our guests, but we know the letters, the two letters HR stand for human resources. But if they had to be short for two other words with the same general connotation, what, what do you think those two letters should stand for? L races. Oh, Oh my gosh. That's the first time we've had two suggestions for that. No other two people came up with that. And independently. Seriously? Yeah. In the same day. In like the an hour ago. Okay. I need to meet this recruiter that you, you interviewed earlier. Oh my God. That is amazing. Seriously. That is, is hilarious. I mean, let's be honest. That's what we do all day, every day. <laughs> And as long as you're having fun doing it, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, anything else you'd like to share with us, Praviti, before you go? Oh, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad I got invited on this, and thank you. I appreciate your time. Glad you were here. Absolutely. Here. Well, thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us today. And, and also thank you to everyone who listened or watched our discussion today. We hope that you'll be back again. And if you have any suggested topics or guests for future episodes, or if you would like to be a guest yourself, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at inspiredinsights at truepay.com. This podcast is powered by TruePay a single sign-on HCM technology provider supported by a team that strives for your success. 